Philippians is the fourth prison letter that Paul wrote. Paul, uh, who wrote almost like half to two-thirds of the New Testament, four of the books that he wrote, he wrote out of prison. This is actually the fourth book, around 61, 62 uh, AD in Rome. And uh, uh, he wrote to the Philippians because back in Acts 16, he had a vision. And in the vision, there was a man in the vision saying, please come, come to Macedonia. And he felt like it was a call for him and his team to go to Macedonia and preach the gospel. And that's how he got to Philippi, and that's how Philippians got wrote and so forth and so on. He had major encounters there. Um, and it was amazing everywhere that Paul went. He was all about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, preaching the gospel, seeing lives absolutely changed, uh, seeing people's lives healed, so forth and so on. What an amazing uh, guy he was. And I want to begin reading. I want to really touch on three areas tonight that ha actually was in. I didn't have a real creative title. It just wasn't that cool. But my three parts is actually in the title tonight. And we're going to read. And, and uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Philippians 3. If not, uh, part of it is going to be up on the, the Sky Bible this evening. So we're going to start with Philippians 3, verse 1, and see what the Holy Spirit does. It says this, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. How many of you know rejoicing is a beautiful thing? How many of you know that rejoicing is, a, a, is actually something that we choose to do? I don't have to be happy, happy, happy to rejoice. And he says, rejoice in the Lord for me to write the same things to you. is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Everyone say safe. Paul is real concerned about your safety and the safety of the church then. And he's concerned about the safety of the church today. So what safety, what, what is he concerned with? What part of safety is he concerned with you and I today, the church, and then, well, it goes into the next verse, which I, I believe he's directly talking about. He begins to warn us. He, beware, beware, beware. And I want to, that's my first part tonight, is that you would fill this area that we need so much to understand that he wanted to warn me and you about today in this area. He says, beware of dogs. Say that with me, dogs. That was actually in my in my title, Beware of Dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision. Ladies, got to excuse me tonight. Tonight, we are talking about a circumcision quite a bit. Don't mean to make everything awkward, but it is what it is. And it says, for we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. And so he is warning us about this thing, about having confidence in the flesh. Paul's concern for the safety of the church, the impact it has then and today, and he uses this very strong term of beware of dogs. If you look up that scripture in the New Living Translation, I, I loved it in that. I want to read it to you. It says, watch out for those dogs those people who do evil. So he, he calls them dogs and he says that it is evil. So he, he's pretty heavy with what he's trying to get across here. And he says this, those mutilators, which means to cut, cut away, who say you must be circumcised to be saved. 
Okay, I'm going to talk more about, not just about circumcision tonight, but he's making a point here. Do, uh, these dogs, they're, they're not domestic dogs. They would not be cons- like domestic dogs that we would have today. It would be dogs that were wild dogs and they would devour. And Paul is talking about warning us of the danger calling these people dogs who put faith in their flesh. They put faith and a lot, they lean a lot into their rituals and adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he's warning us about that, about adding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The dangerous, devastating teaching that the law must be attached to the gospel of Jesus Christ for salvation. And he is so intense about this that he calls them dogs. He says they're evil and be very, very, be, be aware of these people who want to attach something to the gospel of Jesus Christ in order for you to be saved. That, that the gospel in itself is not enough. That you have to add law to it or you must be circumcised. Are you following me with that? You can read a lot of that that tone of voice in the book of Galatians. You can also read it in this book of Titus. It says this in the book of Titus 1, verse 10. It says, for there are many rebellious people. So he says dogs. He says be aware of evil, mutilators. And here he says rebellious people who engage in useless talk and deceive others. This is especially true of those who insist circumcision for salvation. See, anytime you add something to the gospel of Jesus Christ, like the gospel is not enough. I want to tell you right now, it never stops because what it gets you into is a mode of works and a mode of legalism and a mode of religiosity. And all of a sudden you add this to the gospel, you add this to the gospel and it keeps you going, going, going performance. And it always leads to depression. And I tell you what, he warns us of this. Paul is passionate about this subject because it brings great confusion to people, condemnation. It puts people in, in bondage. It, 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 it creates guilt and shame and anxiety and works and religiosity. Say that with me, religiosity. I am not into this thing for religiosity. I'm in this because of a relationship with the Almighty God through Jesus Christ. And it's so important that we, we catch that he put all this emphasis and he uses these strong terms that you and I be safe And don't add to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He warns us, dogs, beware. Who do evil, beware. Mutilators, who, beware. And these people are called Judaizers. Judaizers. Jude? Yes. See, the spelling of it will kind of jack you up. Because if you look at the spelling of it and you try to pronounce it, well, it's not exactly how it's pronounced. What are these people? Judaizers are Christians who teach it is necessary to adopt Jewish customs and practices, especially those found in the law of Moses, to be saved. Paul went off on them in the book of Galatians. Who 
Who bewitched you that you would fall away from the gospel of the grace? I'm paraphrasing here, going after a different gospel. You should read it, especially Galatians 5. And it's so important, church, that we understand that we don't need any other thing other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul's like, if, any, if anybody can boast in works, in circumcision, in legalism, in law, in rituals, in righteousness or self-righteousness or religion, here, here's my, and he keeps on in the same book. He goes, here's my resume. If anybody's got some room to talk about it, if you wanted to put all your, your, your efforts into this, let me read my resume for you for a minute. He says this in verse 5 and 6. He says this. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning of law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. He's like, hey, hey, you want to boast about somebody that could boast a little bit in religiosity and law and circumcision and, and righteousness? And here's my resume. But he goes on to say, hey, yo, this is what's up. That stuff is nothing. All that I just talked about and all that you're trying to put on the church, adding to the gospel, it is nothing compared to knowing Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, I'm going to read it for you in a minute because it reminded me totally of London. Radian and I was on a mission trip and we spent three weeks in London and, and you heard this, this term in London a lot, rubbish. Especially a southern Londoner, they would even say it hard, rubbish. And so he calls this stuff circumcision, all these rituals, legalism, adding anything to the gospel. He says, it's a loss. I count it all a loss, and it's rubbish. Let me read it. Philippians 3, 7 through 10. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of of Christ, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and look, and count them as rubbish. Will you say that word with me, rubbish? rubbish. Can you get a kind of clue what rubbish is? What, what, would, you, what would you call it? Garbage. Garbage, thank you. That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which was from the law, but that through which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death. All those things that people try to add to the gospel to maybe make you feel good or brownie points, he calls it rubbish. All the things that was gained to him, he says, 
is lost now and is rubbish. About four times he says, the knowledge of Jesus, knowing him. I may gain Christ, all about Jesus. He says, found in him, all about Jesus. That I may know him, all about Jesus. I hope you can get across or understand today that I'm preaching all about Jesus. And it's not about your little righteousness or something that you can add to the gospel or a little bit of your works. Because as soon as you put a little bit of works in with the gospel, guess what? It's no longer grace. As soon as you add some works to it, it's no longer saved by grace. It's Jesus plus nothing. It's gospel plus nothing. It's Jesus alone, in Christ alone, in grace alone, and the gospel alone. Are you feeling me? I hope that you get this tonight. So many people, I think, stay away from Jesus because they think it has something to do with them whenever Jesus has done it all for you. He took on your sin. He defeated death so that you could have a life here on earth and in heaven. You may be here tonight and never have known Christ. Well, I'm going to let you know right now, tonight's your night. Don't walk out of this room without being in a relationship with Jesus because he's done it all. He's made it easy for you and I to have a relationship with him. Listen to this scripture out of Ephesians 2. It says, Ephesians 2, 4 through 8. I find the longer I walk with Christ, which I got born again December the 7th, 1986, right? So do the math. I don't even know how long. How long is that? 34 years. It's easy. You know, the first year, first two years, man, I don't even count it because I was so jacked up sideways, right? And I get filled with the Holy Spirit, March of 1988. My life has changed again. But I want to let you know that all of a sudden, right in the midst of ministry and serving the Lord, all of a sudden you can get, I, I'll just stick it with me. I can get very religious and all of a sudden, well, it just, it obviously is not the gospel alone. You know, it must be my performance, and, and, and it must be my works. I must add some things to this thing called the gospel. You know, it, I, I, don't I get more brownie points for praying longer or reading longer or my tithes and offerings or preaching the gospel or uh, another niche on my belt by leading someone to the Lord or any of those things? And, and it's easy as you walk with the Lord for a long time. You can get caught up in that stuff. You know what that stuff is? Rubbish. It's not that it doesn't matter. I want to lead millions to the Lord. I want to do things for Christ. I want to be radical, fiery like that little girl, right? But it's not out of performance and it's out of works. It's out of what Christ has already done for me. Are you feeling me? It's a whole different relationship thing. It's not out of religiosity. So don't add to the gospel. Listen to the beautiful, beautiful grace of God uh, this evening. Ephesians 2 four through eight. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us seat together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm seated right now in the most prosthetic, prosthetic, yes, chair, chair in the house. I'm seated. Sometimes it is here, but it doesn't come out here. You know what I'm saying, Chris? Does that happen with you, Chris? Gosh, it happens to me. But I don't even care. You, you got it. I'm seated in that, that amazing spot right now. Even though I'm preaching here, I'm seated in heaven. I'm, I'm in that, the, the greatest. I'm seated with Christ Jesus right now. None of, none of my own works, none of my own doing. That in the ages to come, he might show his exceedingly, just listen to the words that Paul uses, show the exceedingly riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and not of your, yourselves. It is a gift of God. Wow. If you haven't tasted of that, I hope that you'll go home and just read Ephesians and read different letters of Paul because if anybody knew what religion was and if anybody knew what legalism was and being a Pharisee and a Sadducee and coming out of that and persecuting the church, it was Paul till he got knocked off his donkey, you know what I'm saying? And he did. He got knocked off his donkey. Don't think that God can't force his will on you. God is God. He sits in heaven, and he can do whatever he wants to do. So don't ever think that he can't, because he will knock you off your donkey if, you, if, if he wants to. I'm, I'm serious. People say, oh, Holy Spirit's a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman who will kick your teeth in, too. He will. Ask Paul. Just ask Paul. All us dudes think we so bad. We ain't that bad. Grace alone, no mix, straight grace. Don't add artificial flavors to it. Don't add orange juice to it. Don't add sweeteners to it. Straight grace. Don't add, it's so important because when you do that, the Bible talks about a little leaven, leavens the whole lump. All you got to do is just add a little bit of that in your life like you think it's about you and all of a sudden you'll get leavened up pretty good and all puffy. Puffed up, knowledge, and that's just not where it's at. You got you to drink straight grace. Straight. Don't add anything to it. There's a song that we sing. It goes, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease. My comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ, 
I stand. This is what it started out with. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. It's in Christ alone. Who let the dogs out? The dogs are not going to be let out at Heart of the City Church. No dogs in this place. We're not going to add to the gospel. Jesus doesn't need any of your help. He's done it all for you and I. Let me make a statement. That doesn't mean that I don't do anything. But it's all about out of relationship. Are you following me? There was this guy that had hired a, a lady to clean his house, do the windows, all of his laundry and everything. And man, she did it, uh, she did it amazingly. I mean, she cut the grass. Every day she'd come home, the house is clean, windows clean, all the laundry's clean. And then all of a sudden he sees her one day. He's like, wow, she's pretty hot. Astor's out on a date. They go on a date. Man, he falls in love with her. Before you know it, will you marry me? Yeah. They get married. And now she still cuts the grass. She still does all the laundry, cleans the house, all the windows. And she doesn't even get a check now. She does it all out of love. Because now all that's his is hers. So it's a relationship shift. If you're doing it out of a works, out of a waiting on God from being a waitress or a slave, you got the wrong perspective. He wants you as a son and a daughter. And we still do what we do, but we do it out of the right heart because of what he's done for us. Are you feeling me? Yeah. It's important that you, you see that. Well, we're going to go on. That's the first part that you need to really hear tonight is beware of dogs. The other part's a couple of quicker ones. I want you to look at the next theme in Paul in, in Philippians 3 that Paul writes about. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, it says, not that I have already attained or am I already perfected, but I press on. Say that with me, press on. Press on. I, it's hard for me to read press on without, reading, without singing Bob Dylan. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because, man, he sings, present on, present on, present on to the higher calling of my... Just an amazing song. But I press on that I may hold of that which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. He's in prison... And he's talking about pressing on. Paul has experienced things that probably most people in this room will never experience. He experienced jail. And there's people in this room that has experienced jail. I get that. But beyond jail, he's experienced things that you and I will probably, I hope you and I never experience and he says, press on. 
Let me give you a few examples because he talks about it in uh, 2 Corinthians. He talks about some of the things that he's been faced with and he still says, in prison, press on. Because he's writing this in prison, okay? Uh, it says this, are they ministers of Christ? This is in 2 Corinthians eleven twenty three through 26. He says, I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. Maybe we have some good labors. Amen. I labor. I don't know if I labor like he did, but I labor. And he goes on to say, in stripes above measure. You can read through these and go, oh, that's cute. And never grasp really what he went through. Paul went through hell on earth at times. Stripes above measure, and he pressed on. In prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Five times he was striped 39 times. I don't even want to be striped three. I don't even want to be striped once. He was striped 39 times, five times for serving Jesus. And it gets even worse. It goes on to say three times I was beaten with rods. One of the times was in Philippi. He got beat with rods with Silas, and then they got thrown in jail, in the prison, inner jail, inner prison, inner dungeon. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. If you're from Washington State, I'm not talking about weed. I'm talking about stoned with rocks. He was stoned. Man, you think of someone stoned with rocks that they would die, and he didn't. Three times I was shipwrecked. Wow. Three, three times shipwrecked. A night and a day, I have been in the deep and journeys often in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils of wilderness, in perils in sea, in perils among false brethren. You could break those up in those perils and see the hell that he went through on earth. But this is what he says. I press on. He has all this behind him and he says, I press on. So faced with COVID, press on. Faced with some type of sickness, press on. Faced with some weirdness in school or something that you're going through right now, something emotionally or relationally, whatever it may be, we have to press on. This is a, a huge calling that he has that he's, he's really presenting to people in Philippians 3. I got a scripture for somebody in this room tonight. I want to read it. It's out of Hebrews 10.36. It says, for you have need of endurance. Somebody in this room has need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. So I know school's been a pain, but you have need of endurance. Maybe you have questions about work. Maybe you're in addiction or maybe you're going through uh, some kind of uh, uh, a situation. Whatever it may be, you have need of endurance. It's been a long season. We even struggle with things like walking by faith versus wisdom. All those different things. We have need, you have need of endurance. How do we endure? When you don't feel like enduring any longer, how do you endure? How do you press on when you've went through some really tough situations? Like Lois. 
losing her husband the day before Thanksgiving. Some of you other people in this room right here, you, you've experienced loss. Maybe you're going through a great season right now. Well, that's really good for you. But like all seasons, they don't last. Good, bad, ugly. They all come and go, right? How do we press on? How do we endure? How do we persevere? I think Paul gives us the answer, and I want to give you just five, before I quit, five thoughts on pressing on. First of all, number one, my life's not my own. Feel me on this. When you realize your life is not your own anymore, you can keep pressing on. When you realize your life's not your own any longer, you can keep pressing on. When it's still your life, it can really be tough. When you surrender to him, I think it really will help. And Paul said it this way, Galatians 2, 19-20. For though, for I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So Paul understood that he was crucified with Christ Jesus. And so he can persevere and he can live on because I tell you what, I used to be fearful a lot of speaking in public. But when I realized it wasn't about me, Maybe I don't say a word right. Who gives a rip? Because I'm not preaching for me. I'm preaching in order to feed people, to hopefully encourage, to hopefully build up, to, 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 to help the church. Are you feeling me? When, I, when it's me, I become fearful because I care too much about me. But when I really re realize why I preach, then it's no longer I'm not bound by fear. You can press on when you realize you're not living your life for yourself. Number two, goal. He had a goal. I want everyone in this room to know you may be struggling right now with something, depression, what have you. I want you to know that you are made in God's image. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah I know that. I know that. If you're made in God's image, listen to me, God has an amazing purpose for you. Man, I was, that's one of the greatest things, coming to know Jesus Christ. Man, I, I'm sucking air, not just to live. I, I, I was really struggling doing a nine-to-five job, just like, but man, whenever I got a hold of, of, of having a life in Christ Jesus, and my, 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 the things that I do is for eternity, listen, I have a hope, I have a goal, I have a purpose. Every person in this room you are made in the image of God, and you have a beautiful purpose to live for. And if you don't, if you don't realize that, you need to grasp a hold of that. This will give you great perseverance and give you a reason to continue to press on. Listen to the next one. I added this one. Forget about it. Say that with me. Forget about it. Do you know that sometimes you just have to forget about your past? You got to forget about the what, what went on back then? He says this, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. 
If you just live in the past, I'm going to tell you right now, it can bring great depression. If you live in the future, it can bring great anxiety. But if you live in the moment, you can have great peace. Sometimes you just got to forget about what's happened in the past. Number three. Well, the other one was 2.5. It was. Look at my notes. It was a 2.5. You don't believe me? 2.5. I'm preaching. I can do whatever I want to do. It's for your good. When you realize everything that you go through is for your good. When you realize everything that you go through, God will work it for your good. That's so beautiful, serving Jesus Christ, because what you're faced with, what you're going through, if you're serving Christ, if you're not, man, I got to tell you, I got to use this word. I don't know any other word to use other than this. It sucks. But if you're serving the Lord and you're a son or daughter of God, then everything that you go through is for a purpose. Listen to this. For we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So we can press on. We can continue to persevere because we know that everything that we're going through can be used for our good. Right? You with me? Number four. Number four, Stephen. <laughs> Say this with me, citizenship. citizenship. I'm just not an American citizen anymore. I am by the book. But ultimately, I'm on a pilgrimage. And I am a citizen of heaven. And I, if you're born again... I can prove that you're a citizen of heaven. Why do you say that? Because if you're going to press on and you're going to persevere and you're going to continue to fight the good fight, you have to remember, listen to me, that your citizenship is in heaven. 